0: What a, an absolute joy to celebrate the coming of God with the saints. I'm going to share a quick word, because Jonathan said it has to be 10 minutes. I want to present us with a question today of very very high importance, possibly the most important question we could ever ask ourselves during Christmas, which is my absolute favorite time of year. I just love Christmas. I feel like I kind of become a different person. Like I don't maybe I'm not I feel like I'm kinda reserved and like you know responsible but we definitely have a 14 foot inflatable snowman in my front yard named Louis Roscoe III. We put up the lights. kind of I just I just love it. It just makes me so happy. it's like right after Thanksgiving I'm like, let's turn on Christmas music, let's get a tree, let's put up the lights. I take the whole week of Christmas off just to do fun things. I just love it, right And that's kind of a normal. Uh, a lot of people are like that. But the, the question that we're faced with when we really look at what Christmas is, is what do we do with the incarnation? What do we do with this birth of Jesus? We're going to look at a couple uh, examples in, that we have in scripture of people who were faced with the same question. What do I do with the birth of this poor uh, infants in Bethlehem? And we know that this was one of the most, is the most significant thing in history up to that point because creation itself was proclaiming the coming of this infant. Uh, there's a lot of teaching out there around the star and around the Magi, and there's a lot of people who give it scientific explanation. Maybe there is a scientific... I don't, I don't know. What I know is that Jesus at one point said, if I am not who I say I am, the rocks would cry out. I don't think he was being hyperbolic. I don't think he was just trying to prove a point. He's saying that this is my creation created by me and through me. And if I wasn't who I said I was, the earth would cry out against it. And likewise, when Jesus left his throne and came to earth, his creation was proclaiming it. The magi or the wise men saw a star and they followed it to Bethlehem. We don't know a lot about the Magi. Um, If you do a Google search, you will find a lot of theories on who they were. Um, But one thing that pretty much all scholars agree on is that the Magi were involved in some type of astrological worship or occult or divination or sorcery. Um, Most likely... They understood well Jewish tradition and Jewish prophecies to know that the star or the sign that they saw had to do with the Jewish king, right? Because they told Herod the Jewish king. Um, And so they understood a lot of that. We know in the Old Testament that Daniel, his position for Nebuchadnezzar uh, is referred to In historical documents, as chief of the Magi. Um, So, what the Magi were is a lot of what we see in the Old Testament when you're talking about Pharaoh's sorcerers or Nebuchadnezzar's wise men or magicians. Um, They were not most likely Jews and they were not serving Jehovah. But they saw his sign and they left wherever they were at, somewhere in the east. And they came to Bethlehem, and they brought him gifts. What did they bring him? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The, uh, I'm going to read a little bit in Exodus 30. You can go there, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. But it's, it's worth reading. Um, Look, I say this, I think every time I'm up here, if you want to understand better the New Testament and you want to understand better Jesus, study the Old Testament. We think a lot of times of these as being simple or extravagant, rather, gifts of high value and high cost that these magi or magicians or kings brought to Jesus, But if we look at the Old Testament, we're going to see that that's actually not the case. They were not gifts of gold for monetary wealth or frankincense because it's an expensive uh, perfume or myrrh because it's an expensive incense. There's actually uh, incredible meaning and depth and consequence for that gift. So starting in verse 1, and like I said, I'm going to jump around but it's all in Exodus 30. So the Lord is directing Moses. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. Breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Jump down to 22. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels. You shall make of these, he lists several other oils there, you shall make of these sacred, a sacred anointing oil blended as by a perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of the burnt offering with its utensils. You shall consecrate them. They will be most holy. Where else do we see that language most holy is the holy of holies, the very presence of God in the, in the tabernacle. Whatever touches them will become holy You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. (coughs) Jump down to 34. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacte and onica and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense and make an incense blended As by the perfumer seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. The gift, the word gift that we see in the New Testament, uh, most translations say gifts. They brought him gifts. The Greek word is korban, or korban, and it's a singular word. They brought him a gift, or they brought him the gift. The gift of the Magi was an offering of worship. What they were doing was not bestowing Jesus and his family with earthly gold. They were proclaiming him the Most High God. Come to earth, to dwell among his people. They were burning incense and anointing him with oil. Jesus is our great high priest, yes? And before the priests could serve in the tabernacle, Aaron and his sons, they had to be anointed with myrrh. the, The magi understood, regardless of who they were, they understood who Jesus is. That the birth of this infant is the birth of God as man, dwelling with his people. And they were worshiping him as God. I'm going to read uh, another verse in Matthew, chapter 2. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. So again, we ask the question, what do we do with the incarnation? You have pagans, and sorcerers who leave everything they know to come and worship and proclaim Jesus the God has come to dwell among his people. And you have Herod the king who acknowledged the birth of Jesus but said, I am still king and I will still rule and I will do everything I can to thwart the rule of Jesus. It's not enough to acknowledge that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's not enough to acknowledge that this was possibly the most important and unique individual ever born in the history of the world. It's not enough to once a year celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's not the acknowledgement that Jesus is born. It's what do we do with it? Do we leave everything that we know. And and this for us now is, is a daily thing. Do I lay down my pride? Do I lay down my control of my life and submit it to the God who dwells among us? Or do I take a stand and say, no, 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 this is my life and I'm in control and nobody's gonna take that control away from me. How we respond to the incarnation is the greatest question that we can ask ourselves. In in John chapter 6, Jesus is talking with his friends, his disciples, not the lost people. He's talking with his disciples, the people who are following him and listening to his teaching. And he says that you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said that's too much for us, and they left. And then he turned to the 12 and said, What about you? Are you going to leave? Are you going to leave me too? Peter's answer, Where would we go? You alone have the words that give life. <clears throat> Celebrate Christmas, have fun, do traditions, make new traditions. All of that is good. But it's not enough. What do we do with Jesus? Every day, it's a submission. Every day, we take up our cross. Every day, we lay down our will. And this isn't just a question of salvation. It's not just a question that you get to ask or answer one time, and then you are in relationship with the Lord, it's every day. Take up your cross every day. Deny yourself every day. Lord, I submit my will to you every day. It's hard. It's hard to do. <clears throat> but he alone has the words that give life. So, so Advent uh, is, this is kind of embarrassing. I, I only knew this like last year, that Advent is the, the season of waiting for the coming of Jesus. So it's like December 1st to December 24th, we wait for the birth of Jesus. And we celebrate Advent to remember the waiting, the thousands of years that the earth waited for the coming king. But we're in another season of Advent now, knowing through scripture that Jesus is coming back to establish forever his kingdom on this earth And so our part in that is we wait expectantly for the coming of Jesus. And while we're waiting, we're laying down our lives. We're laying down our pride. We're laying down our will. And we are submitting to the God who dwells among his people, who alone has the words that give life. Jesus, who is like you? Who is like you, Jesus? There is none. You are good. You are holy. You left your throne in heaven to come to earth, to dwell among your people, to live this human life, to do what we could not do on our own to be the perfect sacrificial lamb led away to the slaughter, burdened with the sin and the guilt of the world so that we might have relationship with the Father who is like you. We celebrate you, Jesus. We celebrate now the coming of God to the earth as a human. We remember And we look forward to you coming to the earth again to establish forever your throne. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We submit to you our wills, our prides. And we say, come quickly and take your rightful inheritance.